John Burks, Drake London, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and Garrett Wilson. These are the five wide receivers most often projected in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. And on this show, we will go through each of those names with highlights, with pros, with cons, with projections. Hayden Winks, how you feeling this draft season? I'm feeling good. My voice is getting a little bit better. It's still on the IR, but uh, we'll battle through. Before we get started, today's an awesome show. We'll have another one on Thursday with some of the names that aren't mentioned frequently in round one, but some of our favorites in the 2022 class. So if you're watching this a week or two weeks or three weeks after, hey, go and watch that one as well. And later on, we'll go through a top 20, water, top 20, top 10 wide receiver rankings. We'll see how deep we get eventually. We'll see how deep we get. But today, again, the top five that are most mentioned with the top 32 overall picks. A few things when we get started. To me, at least, Hayden, we have this conversation all the time when looking at NFL games and NFL types, like a wide receiver is not a wide receiver is not a wide receiver, right? Like there truly are types. There are buckets of players. People liken a wide receiver room to like a, a basketball five because there's all different types of skill sets, maybe more than any other position. Like the label of it does not mean a certain skill set. In fact, of these five that we're talking about, I would say there might be four types of skill sets that we're going to outline here. Yeah, we have your gadget players. We have your slot receivers, like the big, big power slots. We have the Julian Edelman types of slot receivers. We have our deep ball threats. We have your traditional X's. And that's what makes ranking these so hard because I want to get them into like the right round. Like I'll be like, all right, this is a first round talent. But if I'm drafting for a specific team, I might want the Traylon Burks profile rather than the Chris Olave one. But on another team, the same exact draft pick, I would flip flip those. So that's, I think, kind of the point of today's show. And even for fantasy purposes, I think this really matters too because depending on what type of role they are means what personnel groups they're going to be in. Are they going to be involved in the red zone? Are they going to be better in best ball, working downfield? So all of it matters, not just for the NFL teams. I think it even matters for fantasy too. Yeah. I think you're going to really enjoy today's show. If you do, like and subscribe down below. We're on the trail to 10,000 subscribers, hoping to hit that during draft season. All right, we've wasted enough time. Let's get it started. Uh, I'm just going to randomly pick one. Let's go with Drake London first. 6'4", 219-pound wide receiver out of USC. Season-ending broken ankle back in October. Hayden, Drake London, from what I watch, predominantly played on the left side of the field. And it's pretty easy to say this based on that frame, but he is best in this class at contested catches. And we can get into this in a moment. Shockingly forced 24 missed tackles. Yeah. So analytically, I think he's got a beautiful profile. He's 94th percentile in my model. He's a 20 year old early declare, very productive. He actually averaged 135 yards per game. Uh, as a junior after Amon Ra St. Brown left. Uh, even last year, he had more yards than Amon Ra St. Uh, Brown too. So um, all the analytical stuff is perfect. I turned on the field or turned on the tape and I kept hearing these like Mike Evans comps. I don't really see that that much. Interesting. I, see, I see some of the downfield contested catches, but what shocked me was how often they had to throw him screen passes and how fluid he was on the underneath routes. And the first couple highlights that I put on here are all these kind of vertical contested catches uh, down on the left side 
we're going to start getting to about like two minutes of first downs uh, purely on screen passes. And that's where I think he's kind of an interesting, really high ceiling prospect to me because he can win downfield. But the fact that he caught, I think it was like 3.5 screens per game means that he can win with a little more fluidity than I think a lot of people were giving him credit for. I wouldn't say he's NFL Mike Evans, but if I'm trying to compare him to someone coming out, he's Texas A&M Mike Evans. They did the exact same thing with Johnny Manziel, Mike Evans down with the Aggies in terms of forcing him to win after the catch and winning and uh, forcing missed tackles. Um, I'm not going to say that that is going to be his game at the next level, but to me that at least shows that there's some level of suddenness to his game that maybe can eliminate some of the negative projections that are associated with this type of prototype. Again, 6'4", 219. And I understand the caution that people have with this type of frame. We don't see a huge hit rate with it, to be honest. Like the contested catch, big frame, box you out like a basketball background, which Drake London 100% has. Those are your like your JGR Sega Whiteside, Devin Funches, Hakeem Butler in the trash. Uh, but then the hits include, you know, the Mike Evans, and the Kenny Galladay's of the world. And again, the difference to me is the nimbleness with the ball in his hands for such a big prospect. And again, I'm not saying that you want him to win after the catch at the NFL level, but again, it shows some certain level of quality, of suddenness, of footwork, so he doesn't get locked up or trapped inside of a cornerback's wingspan or footwork or in, in press coverage. And because of that size... He's not as nimble as some of the other wide receivers are going to get to, but he definitely has to have that my ball mentality, and he has it, Hayden. So I think he's kind of as nimble. He doesn't have the, the top-end speed. Like, if I was going to say, like, his biggest weakness is 35 yards downfield, is he going to blow by that corner? No. Does he have enough speed to kind of be on that DeAndre Hopkins type of tier where he can get – when a uh, win just enough and then come down with contested catches. I think he has just enough speed to win vertically, not just as a, uh, a contested catch player. I think it's, it's going to be really hard to tell with this pro day. Cause he's probably going to be testing coming off that broken ankle. And I can see him right. running a four, six, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like a four five, five player. And that's like definitely good enough for a player, his size. I thought his lateral ability and his little wiggle, a little bit of shake, I thought it was way impressive for somebody as big as he was. And that's why, to me, he's the number one receiver in this class. Now, if we want to be fair, Mike Evans coming out of school was 6'5", about 230, and ran a 4'5", 3". You also mentioned DeAndre Hopkins' name. Like, if this hits, this is an ex-wide receiver on your team that you can line up in isolation and ask him to win one-on-one. But again, when this type misses it kind of fizzles out like it there's not like that much lasting power to it because they look lethargic on on an NFL level like they look sluggish on an NFL level again from what i've seen from Drake London and you're going to see it early in these highlights that we're showing right now on YouTube he actually attacks like the dark side of cornerbacks like their blind spots right there and that's really good like that's a really good sign that you understand the nuances to route running that you're not just looking for body positioning and boxing out and trying to win contested. Um, We will go through some of these other wide receiver prospects today who are so sudden, who are so fluid, who are so nimble. 
we need like more than just enough. Like we need good for that to translate here. And I think we do get good enough from Drake London. It's not going to be like a, a specialized trait that you're going to line him out there and say, Hey man, run multiple breaking routes all game long. And we're going to trust you, but he has multiple layers onto it again. Like that's not even factoring in his X factor, which are these like jump ball situations, which again, a my ball mentality being the hammer, not the nail. He's certainly a lot of that at the college level. Yeah. So big picture to me, the analytical profile is checking all the boxes. He'll be 20 years old on draft night, 98th percentile mm. PPR points per game. Uh, I mean, absolutely crushed at USC before he left. They had nobody else to throw the ball to, and they just kept hammering him. Uh, all the production stuff is off the charts. And I just thought, I was just so surprised at what he was able to do after the catch on the underneath routes. I didn't see any of this, the separation issues that people saw on the underneath your slants and stuff, because he kind of uh, could win at all three levels. And those corners are not just sitting back and waiting for him. He actually can press deep downfield and all those screen plays is really opening, opening him up to like some really high end projections. I have him like a mid round one grade. I thought to me he was the best receiver in this class by a little bit of a distance just because like that top end projection could be like top five, top 10 NFL wide receiver. I don't think that some of the other guys we'll talk to could reach that type of level. Yeah, it's it's easy to look back on last year's class and like see, hey, now we know that you can trust them lining up one on one. There's not going to be a lot of those in this group. So let's jump to the next name. I know. A lot of people get really, really, really excited when they see Traylon Burks, 6'2", 225 pounds, coming out of Arkansas. Um, he was actually used at Arkansas, Hayden, like an athletic phenom. I mean, at that size, that's a lot of bulk, 225 pounds. That's that's a tank. That's that's an athlete. He's a thick boy. That, sure. That's an X-frame. But despite that X-frame... Arkansas used him in the slot 77% of the time. He was constantly in motion as we pull up the highlights right now. And I wonder if like that's because it was the easiest for them. Like again, slot snaps, getting him closer to the quarterback, getting him on the move already. Was that a chicken or the egg situation? Is this a Traylon Burks thing or is it an Arkansas? Hey, we want to be successful at the college level thing. Get the ball to our playmakers. So I think it's the latter. And there's a metric called yards per team pass attempt. And it might be one of my favorite stats. Like just if you're looking at one stat and he was off the charts. And what that means is that they were giving him the ball no matter what. Now for us, that makes it very hard for us to project because he's kind of playing in that Debo Samuel role. He was playing yep. up in the backfield. I don't think he has the athleticism of a Debo Samuel, particularly the lateral movements. There was a lot of times where I saw him actually kind of falling over. And he that's because he's so much bigger than Debo Samuel. He has the, the actual like straight line juice. You'll see it even on this highlight right here. He should not have scored a touchdown on this highlight, but he did because he has more speed than anticipated at that frame. And we say that about Debo Samuel all the time. I don't see any of the wiggle that Debo Samuel showed. And he actually was a 41st percentile adjusted spark athlete um, at the combine. So he's on that level. I just don't see him like reaching the same highs as that player. And it's weird because he's an X receiver prototype, yep. but not playing that position. And I'm not sure if, 
how to even project that uh, at the next level. If you need someone with power to manufacture touches to, Traylon Burks probably tops this list for you. I mean, 9.2 yards after the catch on average, 15 force missed tackles this season. I think he's heavy Brandon Ayuk. Like Brandon Ayuk, plus an inch, plus 20, 25 pounds. I'm not saying his athleticism gets to carry on with that weight because to me, this is why athletic testing is so important. I saw some mentions previously just scrolling Twitter on AJ Brown and how he's a comparison for Traylon Burks. And he's just not that type of an athlete right yeah. now. He's, he's just not a, a special athlete, but again, with certain types of offenses where they want to specialize in yards after catch and manufacturing space, your Kyle Shanahan's your Mike McDaniels, would you be shocked if Traylon Burks tops the list for both of those teams in this year's wide receiver class? Absolutely not. Even if he's not of the comparison to the top degree of the Debo's of the Brandon Ukes, he's in that bucket of, yeah. of a player. Now, my concern is I want wide receivers. When I like to look at them, this is my bias to line up on the outside one-on-one and create separation consistently, maintain it, and then win after the catch. We don't get a lot of that, like at all. I mean, I, I, I wrote it down here. He only faced press coverage 39 times yep. in 2021. He was not a sideline or outside the numbers type of pass catcher. We can pull it here on the PFF draft guide, which you can all find on their site. It's fantastic stuff. Look at that heat map. There is nothing along the sideline. There is nothing outside the numbers. Look at the hot spots. It's behind the line of scrimmage. It's over the middle of the field. Again, when I bring up the likes of Mike McDaniel and, and Kyle Shanahan to win on mesh and drags and crossing routes, this is going to fit that, but is that going to fit every team? And will, and will the yeah. team he that drafts him have like the right plan for him? You know? Yeah. The, and that's like the thing. It's like that projection to the outside, because I don't want to be stuck in this exact role. That would not be that great for fantasy in my opinion. But when they win, put him outside, you said it, I had it 37 routes on, as an isolated receiver. He averaged thick, uh, 3.6 yards per route run versus man coverage. He had 20 receptions on 37 routes, 20 receptions on 37 routes on the outside. So it's a very small sample, but when he did go out there, he was winning. So he, to me, he's the most boom bust of the five we'll talk to. The top end outcomes is really sick. The bottom outcomes like LaVisca Chenault. Like, I don't think he'll be as bad as LaVisca Chenault, but like that is the type that's the of spectrum. That's the spectrum we're on here. And that makes him very boom bust to me. I have a late round one grade. I have him as the fourth receiver of the top five, but I can see this thing going either way here. Like you can see the straight line athleticism. You can see the couple reps on the outside, right? But you are putting a lot of eggs in the basket to hit that lottery ticket. But I think yeah. I think some teams are, should take that take that chance. I'm yeah, not sure if sure. I want to be the one. And look, this frame doesn't come along very often, um, and teams are going to have the ability to put him through workouts and see if they trust in his development and their coaching to allow him to do that. Again, like we outlined at the top of talking about Traylon Burks, it was in the goodness of the team, the performance of the team to use him in these situations in order to win and be successful. Like we sometimes have to pull that out and ask what they were, you know, forced to do what their responsibility was. And he was just more physical than everyone else when working down the field in those moments when that momentum was going, he was a really, really fun college watch, but then coupling his athletic testing that we have right now, is he going to be a superior athlete to the players he's facing off against on a weekly basis at the NFL level. 
Probably not. Like he's an average athlete. That doesn't mean he's a bad athlete. He means he's an average one. But then when you get to the comparisons in the bucket that he's in now of like the top end performers of that bucket, the Debo's, the Iukes, from to keep going on and on and on the AJ Browns of that list. That's not there. Like that, that top tier athleticism. Yeah. Just isn't there. It's average. Yeah. It's average. It really is. And I also want to pull up one thing and we might, this would be a negative. And so I wouldn't want to throw it on the highlights, but I saw some slants where he like failed to gain body positioning. And yeah. with that big body, you want him to be dominant over the middle of the field. I saw routes where like the corner knew and took away that inside spacing. And so all that he did was barrel into him in the middle of the field because that was the spot he wanted to get to. And that was the only answer that he had in his back pocket just to like push off to be a bull rather than figure out with nimble footwork with, with separation to get to the spot he wanted to get to. And that's not really the formula that I like from, from these wide receivers who need to own the middle of the field or even need to understand like a route running package. Um, And so that was a concern for me as well. You'll see this on the underdog network in my scouting report for Traylon Burks. I literally have a sentence that says, um, Burks has room for improvement here as he re- currently relies on bullying defensive backs at the line of scrimmage. Adding skills here would send him to the moon, but leaves his floor a little lower than the SEC first round prospects. And that that latter part was comparing him to AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, those Debo Samuel. It's I I wanted to really like him, and then I was like, damn, he's in this really unique role. If he goes to the wrong coach. That could be a problem too. I hope he goes to like the Packers because actually the Packers throw a bunch of wide receiver screens and they can actually use them uh, in a role like that. Um, I don't want him pushed on the outside immediately. I think that would take him a little bit of time to kind of get used to it. But at the very least, like wherever he goes to hopefully understands that and like that can be his role early on and and maybe grow into things. Because we do see, you know, these wide receivers develop, especially into year two. Um, there just has to be a plan. And that was probably had to be a good team and not someone drafting him, you know, within the top five to uh, to top 10 selections. Okay. Who do you want to hit next? Uh, can we go to Jameson Williams? Please. Please. Let's go with Jameson Williams. Interesting evaluation here. Uh, 6014, which means six, one and a half, 179 pounds from the wide receiver coming out of Alabama. Transferred out of Ohio State prior to his final year in college. And then I believe tore his ACL during the college football playoff semifinal. Uh, Hayden, we will show it in just a moment, but his fluidity is instantly, instantly eye popping. Yeah. I call it legit track speed. Like not like, Oh, he might be able to go play some track and field. Like, no, like he can go out there and actually run track. I think he would have ran like four, three, five or something like that. And he is the one that moves to me. You always talk about moves differently when he gets going on some of these deep balls. I mean, good freaking luck. He had 96 percentile adjusted production, which kind of takes in age and how good your team is, because sometimes we'll get to the next Ohio state players. Some of these stats, uh, you got to factor in like who else that the quarterback can be throwing the ball to. And that's why like Traylon Burks might get a little bit overrated because they just keep dumping the ball off to him because they have nobody else. Jameson Williams was crushing everybody else at Alabama. He immediately was the best skill player that they had. Average 105 yards per game, uh, one touchdown per game, 95th percentile overall in my model. And it, you don't have to do any projections on his role in the NFL. It's 
get your ass downfield and I'm throwing a deep one to you and he's probably going to come down and catch it. Before I get to parts of my evaluation, any concern with you that he had to transfer out of Ohio State to really like get the field and emerge and blossom into what we saw or no? Yeah, I mean, yes, but then he went to Alabama and then went off. Like if he went to UCLA where there is no talent and then was putting up these numbers, I would I would get it. But that Ohio State room, like the, their best receiver isn't even in this draft class. That number 11 guy was insane watching him. Um, so I, I don't, I don't give him, like he, he gave it two, two years bounce and then put up 105 yards at Alabama. I'll give him a pass. All right. I want to focus on, on one of these routes here that you have highlighted. Um, is it for a little bit further back? It's the double move. And I understand like double moves. You don't run them very often at the college level or even at the NFL level about three times, but boom, like when we get to here, you see him understand the storytelling, the pacing that gets involved when creating separation his head and hips drop at the top of this double move it's just like a stop and start but on paper coaches might say hey man we want you to act like you're running a a 17 yard comeback all right a lot of wide receivers might just slow down get a little choppy and then keep going he sells it you can see the eyes of the safety over top it's just too high coverage see the cornerback and man-to-man Looking directly at him. They are watching his helmet. They are watching his hips. And I wish I could zoom in here because you see them sink. They go straight down to the point where he's a salesman. He is an absolute salesman. And then as soon as I press play, the they are working from behind. And you even see the safety over top six yards further down the field. Goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm not saying that this is a route that he's going to run more than twice per game but it shows up in a lot of his movements. These highlights are focusing on, on big plays. And I think at the very least, if you want to jump to this at the very least, you're getting like MVS in terms of like a vertical burner. Who's about to get paid pretty high degree on free agency. Like that's worst case scenario, but best case scenario, you get stuff like this where he sells an inside move, gives you that dead leg, gives you, a false step to the inside, and then boom, going to bounce it to the outside. It's that separation that I crave. I mean, it is that rhythm. It's the footwork. It's the hip drop. There's like some elegance to it. It's like the blend of the separation and speed that really translates to me. And, and Jameson Williams, while at just 179 pounds and just seeing his final year at Alabama, there's a lot to love, a lot to love what we just saw. Before we pressed record on this, Josh, I had a feeling this was going to be the guy that you were going to be starting to fall for. The only thing I will disagree with you on this is that 179 pounds, I think he was probably closer to like 190, 195 pounds in that torn ACL, uh, not being able to work out for like a couple of months probably hurt him there. But I mean, he was winning on the outside too. So this wasn't like a slender a receiver that was uh, winning in the slot that much. He was, I think, it was 76% of the snaps lined up outside. I think you're getting somebody on the Brandon Cooks level player. He's lengthier than Brandon Cooks, but about the same uh, weight and speed and definitely the same exact usage. And I'm with you. I can see him being that Brandon Cooks vertical guy, but he can also probably be, probably be your number one receiver. Um, I have him as my number two prospect mid first round grade that includes the ACL. I think that if he had his ACL intact right now, 
I might make him the number one receiver. I think he's that good. Yeah, we'd get some buzz of him as the number one wide receiver. He loves to sell the vertical, and as soon as he beats you on the vertical, these corners get terrified. He's the isolated player and was, and whenever you go back and watch any of those Alabama prospects, that Texas A&M game is one to watch because they fall behind on the scoreboard, and the big players step up, and he was the isolated player in every single one of of those matchups. Um, One stood out to me, actually, in that Texas A&M game. It was like a trip stack on the boundary side, um, the short side of the field. It was a zone. So all routes were about five to seven yards. He finds that empty spot um, on the outside breaking route and he catches it while turning back to the inside. So squaring his shoulders continues up the field to gain about extra yards, like all in one really, really fluid motion. You can tell route running is supernatural to him. Um, he forced more missed tackles this year than a player we're going to talk about during his entire career in Chris Olave, who's also another vertical receiver in this class. Um, but I will add Hayden, he's a pretty shitty blocker. I saw a few occasions where 15 plus yards down the field, he just absolutely gave up. And if he had blocked his man, if he had accomplished his assignment, the running back would have had a 60 yard touchdown or a 40 yard touchdown. And his guy is the one that tackled him and he loses a whole bunch of shoving matches, but man, oh man, 20 screen catches. 13 deep catches, that's winning short, that's winning deep. He has this innate separation skills, the understanding of the fluidity with um, creating isolated separation as well. There's a lot to like here. Fifth most deep yards as well. Worst case scenario, again, in my opinion, you're getting MVS. Yeah, I think that's very worst case scenario. I think he can be number one receiver. Uh, by the way, rookies and sophomores draft on Underdog Fantasy and also the Superflex draft. I think Jameson Williams, out of all the rookie wide receivers, He's the one that's going too late. He is perfect for a best ball site like underdog. Get him in there. They will be weeks. Even if he comes back, misses the first month of the season. I can see him in December when it's the actual playoffs and the tournaments coming on best ball that where he's starting to rip off some deep plays and those could be difference making weeks. So he's the one that I want to be circling my name around, make sure I'm overexposed, especially on rookies and sophomore. All of you dynasty people that are watching this, Go try that game out. You only have to draft a couple times, and you don't have to set your freaking lineups and deal with the worst trade offers of your life over on Underdog. And if you've never played best ball, perfect time to do so right now during the offseason. We will double your first deposit on Underdog Fantasy. Just use promo code the show, or there's a link down below up to $100. I mentioned there's four wide receiver types. We've hit on three of them, kind of in the same vein to me as Jameson Williams is Garrett Wilson, his former teammate at Ohio State. Six foot, 183 pounds. In like the nicest way possible, he's all over the place. In kind of a similar way that Kadarius Tony was. Like I'm sure Garrett w- Wilson has like gone there and watched Stefan Diggs and Kadarius Tony. He's like, hey man, I can do that stuff. Um, but, and I'll, Dive into this a little bit more. There's a balance between exaggerated movement and unnecessary movement. And he kind of toes the line there. He toes that line a lot. I thought he was, I call him a chaotic uh, rhythm player and kind of like Jerry Judy, where like you can see how this could work like later on, but I think it could take him a couple years to reach those high end potential. But he certainly has the high end potential five star recruit, three year contributor. Early, de- early declare, he has massive hands. He ran a 4 3 eight, 40. He made one of the most ridiculous uh, catches um, 
just with the vertical leap ability. Um, so really it's just, he has everything analytically 96 percentile prospect that's tops in the class. Um, but when you turn on the tape, he is an overseller. And I think overselling works in college a little bit more than it does to the NFL, but there's, there's room to fix that. Like to me, yes. like you don't fix like natural athleticism. You don't fit his like innate ability to cross people up, but kind of like how it's been with Jerry Judy, the first two years in the NFL for Jerry Judy have not been all that great. I know he's been dealing with injuries too, but I'm not completely out on Jerry Judy long-term because if he cleans up a little bit of, the, of that choppiness, that little bit of that chaotic uh, play, you can see how he can turn into a legit number one receiver. So um, I'm in on Garrett Wilson. I'm just going to be a little, I wouldn't be that surprised if like the rookie season wasn't like as crazy as, um, we were hoping for. Yeah, you see a lot of wide receiver prospects coming to the league that are stiff. You wish they like played a little bit looser, that they were more exaggerated. I mean, he's the opposite. I wish he would tighten up a little bit. Like, let each movement have a bit more purpose and get rid of all the wasted stuff. Like, you actually see him run down the field like this at yeah. times with some of his separation, and it's because it's all over. It's like not controlled. It's not a complete package. I, I love the effort. Garrett love it let's just get rid of some of it just a little bit because there's so much quality there again I there's a lot of that natural I'm going to stress you with a vertical stem get you off balance attack the blind spots get you stepping in the wrong direction even if it's press coverage or off coverage or whatever and then create space that many other people cannot and then I believe he's a little bit more athletic than a lot of people thought he was as well so to me, there's there's 100% something there. I definitely want to invest and, and take the time here. Uh, he's probably more athletic than like a Deontay Johnson coming to the league. But Deontay, I think, had a few of these issues. And some of that yep. is you know, the difference between Toledo and, and Ohio State. There's a lot, a lot to like. And in fact, I would almost prefer to rein it in versus try to get someone to get on this level. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. He he's on that Deontay Johnson, Justin Jefferson kind of spectrum, where he might be Deontay Johnson to start his career, but if he cleans up everything else, he can kind of get that natural wiggle that Justin Jefferson has and be that number one receiver. So, um, I I slapped a late round one grade just because um, of some of these issues, but I think that he's definitely a risk worth gambling on, and the 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 analytical profile is like off the charts, ninety six percentile early declare everything that you'd want. The analytical profile is there. So I'm going to love them. Um, I think it might be like a year two breakout, um, but that's totally fine for an NFL team. Yeah. I mean, just look at this boom forces him to take, take that extra step upfield after attacking and forcing the hips towards the sideline, breaks it off in just two steps, creates and stains that little bit of extra ground. The ball is 100% in the air, catches it, tries to get up the field a little bit. And just looking at the heat map, indifference versus the Traylon Burks and some of the others that we see. I mean, when you have to work in a condensed field, which is along the sideline, that's when you're working in a phone booth, right? Yep. That's when all of these movements do create space for you. And he's absolutely winning along the right sideline there during his time at, uh, at Ohio state. Lots of like, lots of like with Garrett Wilson. All right. I guess we just got to conclude with this teammate and Chris Olave. Here he is. 6'1", 187 pounds. Hayden doesn't have those exaggerated movements or quick feet, which is kind of 
funny when you watch him in comparison to not just Ohio State's offense, but back to back with Garrett Wilson, because they're constantly working in the same alignments. Like one will be here, one will be here, and then they'll flip the next series or the next snap. Even on mesh patterns or crossing routes, like sometimes a lot of it will be the short guy, sometimes will be the deeper receiver. So they're asked to kind of win in the same areas. But the two packages that they put on the field is a very, very stark contrast. It's literally opposite. Like in my scouting report for Olave, I say no wasted movement. Like, and that's exactly what he is. He's super polished. He can get downfield. He can stack you up and then he can separate because he's definitely got plus athleticism too. Uh, I just didn't see all the natural wiggle that Garrett Wilson has. He's yeah. also doesn't have the same exact analytical profile. He was a non early declare, which is what we like. And some of his metrics yards per out run versus man coverage only 1.3 that was last of these top five also yards per out run uh, i call it the non mickey mouse routes uh he was uh also last and those remove screen plays behind the line of scrimmage tosses like that touchdown just when you're win- winning uh on the actual nfl routes and i think that the r- biggest issue that chris olave had to me was just that play strength there was a couple times against press man coverage where i thought he was getting a little bit taken advantage of. He also was working with uh, the kind of the easiest routes. He was partnered up with Garrett Wilson and uh, the other uh, 2023 prospect. So he was winning on all these kind of zone vertical shots where he's just like getting between quarters coverage and just separating, which is valuable. But I see him more as a number two receiver in the NFL, kind of on that Will uh, Fuller spectrum. Uh, he is very polished though. So um, I gave him a late round one grade, but I would want him to be my number two receiver, not my number one. Yeah. I think that's a very fair final word to put on him. And while we just talked about, you know, the Garrett Wilson's, the Jameson Williams, I think like this route that's coming up after this one best explains his style And it's all about changing speeds. It's changing pace because this is someone who runs what, like a four, three, nine, but here he's jogging, 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 and then boom, he unleashes. And you see this quite a bit from him that instead of it's that choppy footwork or ISO crossovers, like when we liken, you know, press coverage or man coverage to, to basketball stuff, uh, it's all just about changing speeds for him. And that's a danger too, because as soon again, as he either creates a wealth of separation on these you know, press corners early in games or he goes and creates a big play early on, they are terrified of it. Like yeah. they are terrified of it for a lot of the contest. But I'm with you. Like it's a very, I wouldn't say specialized skill because it's a important skill at the NFL level. But so much of the downfield that he is like a perfect complement or supplement to a wide receiver a wide receiver group out there. He's not great after the catch, forced 12 missed tackles his entire career. He 100% loses shoving matches um, during his time there. Sorry, just 10 broken tackles on 176 receptions during his his time at Ohio State. So like, again, when we talked about with Traylon Burks and some of these others, he's not a Shanahan type. He's probably not a McDaniel type. But again, vertical playmaker, absolutely useful, 100% useful at the NFL level. And like, I know that he did the agilities was one of the few wide receivers that did it at the combine. They weren't good. They were like bottom 33rd percentile. There are some other wide receivers that win deep like this that still have that. Like I looked at golden Tate. Who's a very similar frame, the very similar agilities can do that too. 
Curtis Samuel was the exact same way. Now, Samuel's probably a bit better, much better after the catch. But changing this pacing, it doesn't all have to be the same way. Like as much as I have a bias towards route running, creating separation with sudden movements, this 100% works. And I actually think he's really, really adept at using his body for his size and having that body positioning as an advantage for him to to win and come down with these contested catches too. Yeah, he he's just so smooth. Like that's just like the easiest way. He's just the smoothest guy on the field. Just the I keep coming back to this. Like what ex, explain this? Yards per run versus man coverage. Garrett Wilson 3, Traylon Burks 3.6, Drake London 3.7, Jameson Williams 3.3 and then Chris Olave 1.3. Like that scares me a little bit for somebody who had career highs as a as a senior um in college. I don't know. Like can I, I okay. get it? Let's theorize. Let's theorize here. Okay. Part of me wonders and believes that Chris Olave is a better route runner at the intermediate and downfield portions of the field than he is in the quick game. Okay. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, I like that. Now, because of that, and look at his heat map again on PFF's draft guide, it's all vertical. It's all down the field. And so I'm not exactly sure how these are counted on if as soon as he crosses the two high safeties that we see that, if that's viewed as beating zone coverage as well, because he kind of can be a too high man beater or too high beater, I should say, of his own coverage because he goes in the middle of the field and wins there as well or goes over the top of it. So it's it's interesting. It's very easy to say man coverage when it's in the one to five to seven yard range. But when you get beyond that where Chris Olave shines, I don't know if it gets a little bit fuzzy or hazy, but I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But even if that is the explanation that means that he's just winning in zone coverage on like the deep part of the field. Like that's like, that's more of an easier kind of thing to, to figure out. Like that's why we have MBS. Um, yeah. But I agree. PFF says reliable number two at Z receiver. Perfect. That sounds great to me. I don't, I'm not arguing against that. How do you put the value on that? Uh, to me, that's like late round one, early round two. I don't see like where he becomes a Jamar chase or a Justin Jefferson, I think well, he's like the next. But if, if we want to be fair, yeah, yeah. If we want to be fair, I don't see a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, heck, Jalen Waddle, or maybe even Devontae Smith in this draft. You know, oh, I, we, we talked about Drake London. He can Drake London can get into that tier, in my opinion. I think Drake London okay. can like turn into like ninety percent Devontae Adams type of number one receiver at all three levels. I don't see how Chris Olave gets there. So, hmm. have you watched the Rutgers game with Olave? I think there was like a little bit of that yes. two step quickness, and that was probably his best game his best game for that, but I'm with you. I even wrote down sometimes on those quick patterns, he had to shove off to create the separation and, and do all that type of stuff versus what we see with others. Um, okay. I think we did it with these top five there in the first round. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Smash a like button, subscribe button down below again on Thursday. Uh, we'll go through some of our favorites that aren't frequently mentioned inside the top 32 overall picks. I know I have a few favorites as well. A few buckets of types out there um with like the the wandale robinsons um a few calvin austins you know these big play guys and where and how do they project in the nfl that's always an interesting discussion because you know college game different similar skill sets at times to nfl success especially with how the nfl is going but uh yeah, just how, how these guys are used is, is really the big discussion we want to have and where they can be used and where they win at the NFL level.
you can talk about uh, Calvin Austin. I'll be talking about George Pickens. Get an alpha to talk about uh, tomorrow right. or on Thursday. Right. I should say. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Appreciate the podcast feed for listening and subscribing and sharing. We will talk to you all soon. See ya. <laughs>